Mac Power Users, Episode 200. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users Podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Welcome to show 200, David. Happy anniversary 200 showy thingy. Yeah. Katie I think, Floyd. I think our anniversary is actually in May, but. Uh, yeah. Two, 200 episodes. Wow. Yeah. You, you told me it wouldn't last 10. Mm, I think I, you I were think so I, wrong. I think I told you it wouldn't last a year. Yeah. Okay. Well, here we are like a bad penny. Just keep turning up. <laughs> we are. And uh, it took us a little while to get to, uh, to 200 episodes. I guess we'll, we'll explain that a little while, even though we've been, we've been podcasting for, for quite a while. You know, we initially only did, did shows twice a month. Because yeah. that's all that's all we could possibly commit to. But uh, so, w- what are we doing for this uh, 200th episode? It took us a while to figure that out exactly. Uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some of the our favorite shows, some of our favorite workflows and things we've done over the period. Did a little bit of navel gazing while we're at it, and uh, we've got a pretty nice outline. We're gonna talk about how we create the shows and what we've gone through, and and what the future of all this stuff is. Yeah, uh, April of 2009 was our show zero. May of 2009 um, was show one, all about email, which is really two shows because we split in half. But it was really one show. One recording. Yeah. That, that we recorded twice. The first time we did it, we uh, we said that was really good. And the next day we called so each bad. other and said, so bad. let's do it over again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought maybe a good place to start here. Um, well, first off, I think the place where we have to start is to say thank you to everybody who has, we, we wouldn't be here without the great support of our listeners um, who have hung with us through 200 episodes. I mean, you and I do this show partially as therapy, um, but I don't know if we do it if nobody was listening. I think I would, actually. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe we would. That's the reason. I, I mean, I, I just wanted this content. So if I have to, you know, talk to a wall, I probably would do it. But, but the fact that we have so many people with us is what really makes it a joy. Well, maybe a good place to start is is at the very beginning. I mean, even before Mac Power users, the the show was was even a, a glimmer in our eyes. Um, you know, how did how did we become the Mac Power users? I know that's a question that I'm that I'm asked frequently, and and I I don't know that I would go so far as to call myself a Mac Power user because this show is about turning people into Mac Power users, something that I strive to be. But David, tell me tell me a little bit about how you got started. With computers. Yeah, well, even just on that point, I think that's a really good point. Uh, when we started the show, people told us, you know, you guys are really asking for it with the name Mac Power Users. I mean, who the heck are you guys? A couple lawyers. You don't know anything about Macs, you know. And so I, I always felt like the name is aspirational. I mean, I want Mac Power Users. It's a journey and it's something that we, we're on together. There's a bunch of people out there just like us. And, and that's what I think has kind of made the show special. But uh, for me, I, I was a computer geek from the very beginning. I, I was immediately just enamored by the fact that I could type something and it would appear on the screen. I started basic programming when I was, I don't know how old I was, but I know the first computer I programmed on was a Tandy color computer. And they also had the TRS 80s. And the reason was because, you know, my family, we didn't have any money, but there was a radio shack that I could ride my 10 speed down to. And the guys that worked there were really nice. And, so this little kid, you know, me, actually I had another geeky friend and the two of us would show up in the morning 
And they would let us sit at the table in the corner on the color computer with whopping, I think it was either two or 4K. Maybe I think it was 4K of memory. That's not four megs, that's 4K. And um, they had books there and we would type, I learned to program in basic and we made like, we made like word puzzle games and we made like um, kind of choose your own adventure type games. And we wrote them all in basic and then they, they would open up the cassette tapes and we would save it to cassette right there. So I was just in on computers and then I found an Apple II. I got into it and I really liked it. I tried to program that and I was making my own games again. You know, so many other guys my age started out trying to make their own games because back then it was almost possible to make a game about the same quality as the games you could buy. I mean, the graphics were very basic. And, um, and so I was doing that stuff and, it was great. Uh, when the Macs came out, my parents just said that is not going to happen. They were just too expensive. And by then I was, you know, up in high school and, uh, went to college and they had a whole computer lab full of Macs and I used Macs the whole time. I, I think the first time I sat down at a Mac and saw the control panel was when I really realized how different it was. And for the younger listeners back, you know, you guys are used to the graphical user interface, but I grew up using a computer that was all, you know, it was all terminal, basically terminal commands. And, and IBM had a device and Apple had a device, Atari. There were a couple different companies that had them, but man, the first time I saw a Mac, it's just like the, the whole idea of the mouse and the typography and the word processor. It, it was like, it was like a whole new world for me. The only thing I can equate to it is the first time I used an iPad. I felt like it was the same thing. It was opening so many new avenues of what you could do with a computer. So I used a, a Mac pretty exclusively through college and a lot of law school. And then I kind of got off the train. But you were on the Mac for the whole time, Katie. Yeah, my um, I'm about 10 years younger than you. And so my history starts with the Mac. And, and the story there is my dad owned a sm small business. He owned a, a sporting goods store, uh, you know, sold tennis rackets and tennis shoes and, and things like that local here in town. And um, he decided that he wanted to get, you know, this was back in the, the early eighties um, in 1984 when the Mac, I guess this was probably 85, you know, after the Macs had been released and um, he decided that he wanted to get a computer for his business because he wanted to do some simple bookkeeping. He wanted to be able to create, you know, signs. Uh, he wanted to be able to make simple spreadsheets and, you know, keep keep track of things for his business. And my my dad kind of is, is the type of guy who who likes to have new cool things. And hey, if you can write it off as a business expense, um, you know, I I, I kind of come across a little bit of that that naturally. So I still have very vivid memories of, you know, f four or five-year-old Katie um, going with my dad that day to buy our first Macintosh computer. And it was was originally going to be the computer um, that he was going to use for his store. And we bought it and we bought it as part of a package. I think we bought it around Christmas time because they were running a, a Christmas special um, where you would get the Mac and it would come in a bag. It may have come with a bag, but they also had a package where you could get the um, – the printer, and I think I want to say it was an image writer printer, but it was you know one of those you know printers, um, and you could get that, and it was a bundle. And my gosh, I think it was you know three or four thousand dollars by the time you you added everything together. 
And my dad, you know, brought it all home and, and set it all up on the, on the kitchen table. And the guy had sold him a, a couple of little things because, you know, he comes in with this kid. And so he, he sold him a couple little games for this kid. And I just, you know, him, I'm all kind of googly eyes over here, taking a look at it. And he's like, oh, well, come, come see. And, you know, he set me up with this McPaint thing. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I start, all of a sudden I start, you know, kind of drawing pictures of the family and, you know, print them out and they get, you know, plastered on the refrigerator. And um, within a couple of months or so, my dad didn't have a computer anymore. Um, the computer kind of became mine. And so you were four or five when this happened? Yeah, four, five, six in that in that age range. Yeah, because the Mac was yeah. brand new. Um, and you know, so you you grew up you grew up with the UI. That's great. I did. I did. My dad this, this actually is like the kids now growing up with the touch interface. That's my, that's all they really know. My dad ended up having to go out and buy a second Mac, and I think he bought the five twelve, but he it might have been an SE. That's where my memory gets fuzzy on this. And then taking that Mac and using it at the office. Um, so we had one at home and he had one that he took to his store. And it was one of those great experiences because, you know, we were all in this together. No one in my family had ever used a computer before. I had never used a computer before. So it was like my parents and I, we were, we were all on equal playing field. And if something broke, i.e. you had accidentally thrown your system folder in the trash and deleted it, you had to figure out how to fix that. And, you know, okay, so I can go to another disk and figure out where if I've got a system folder on that disk. Because remember, you had to keep swapping your disk back and forth because you could only fit so much on a disk. And one of them had to have a system folder on it. And you kept having to pop them in and out. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that's where I I think I really developed this curiosity um, for how technology works in general. Because there was nobody there to help me. There was nobody there who, when I got into trouble, to say, oh, well, here, let me fix that for you. Click, 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 all done. Um, if, if I broke something, I wasn't going to be able to play with it again until I figured out how to fix it. And so that was great. It's interesting because, in, you know, I guess in my day, and I think you're a little bit more than 10 years younger than me, because if you were only four or five when it came out, I think I was almost ready for, for college when they came out. But the, um, if, if the, um, in my day, it was really not that hard to get into programming computers as a kid, you know, because the, the technology hadn't grown that far. Now it's so advanced um, that there's really an argument out there that for young kids that want to get into programming, it's a lot harder than it used to be. And I think that's one of the interesting things about, you know, what Apple's up to with their own new language, trying to simplify and, and get people into the APIs easier. I mean, there's an argument that in the future, computer programming is going to be a type of literacy and people are going to need to have some basic understanding. But so continuing my story, then I went to law school and then at some point I had an Atari ST for a while just because that's all I could afford. And, and then I had to get into using PCs, you know, because I was a real lawyer and that's what real lawyers use. And when I first got my job, I said, let's go with Macs. And they laughed me out of the room. And frankly, at that time in history, uh, that probably was the appropriate response, (laughs) but um, I always wanted those Macs back. And, and I know windows tried to, make it like a Mac, but I'd use a Mac enough to know that it really wasn't the same. And, uh, and I kept watching and thinking about getting back in and I finally, you know, I had a job and I was able to get something. And, and when I really dove in really hard again on the Mac side was with the Intel switch. When they, when they went to the Intel, I immediately bought one and went crazy for several years. I, um, when I was in high school, I was a yearbook nerd. And um, that back then we had Mac LCs 
and we were just starting to get into the Power Max um, era uh, after that. And so I think some of those LCs may have been older computers, like LC3s or something like that. And I was the person who knew how to use them. And so the uh, newspaper and the yearbooks were starting to go from the cut and paste, you know, literal cut and paste where you would mock up your your layout by by cutting and pasting and putting it and submitting it. And then someone would f- photograph it with the camera and then and then that would become your design um, to becoming true graphic design. And because I was the computer person. Uh, it was my job to take the layouts that people had created and put them on the computer and then submit those layouts to the plant. And so I did that, um, you know, throughout high school. I was the editor of the yearbook, editor of the paper, and then went to college and decided that I was going to be a journalism major, and that's what I was going to do for a living. And unfortunately, the desktop publishing industry was primarily Mac. Now, by that time, you know, you're you're in the 90s now, and you know, that's during Apple's dark time. So my father has since abandoned the Mac. You know, my mother never used a Mac. She works in the healthcare industry. And so my family has abandoned Macs. And I'm the only, you know, Mac holdout. Thankfully, um, I had this one uncle, who I think you've met at Macworld, David, um, who was a lone member of our family who used Macs. And he would always recycle his Macs down to me. And so that was how I, I kept steady on the Macs through the quote unquote, you know, dark years of the nineties. But, um, when I got into college and when I got a little older and it was, I think in 2001, when the titanium power book came out, that was the first Mac that I ever bought myself, um, brand new. And it was, it was wonderful. Um, I was just so thrilled to have my very first new Macintosh and, uh, and and then of course shortly after that we we got back into Intel's and uh, you know I wasn't able to use a Mac the first couple of years in my law career because I was working for a big firm but a couple of years ago I moved to a smaller firm used their PC for a while and then I kind of taking a cue from you David realized well you know what would happen if I just brought my Mac in would anybody care and you know what they didn't all I really cared is did I get my stuff done and I got it done better on a Mac so it's great yeah. And then all of a sudden other Macs start showing up in the office because people see what you're doing. That, yeah. At least that's been my experience. The, um, you know, I just, I have a love affair for these computers. It's, it's clearly biased, uh, but I've always felt like that on the Mac platform, I've been able to do so much creative stuff. Whereas the time I spent on PCs, I always felt like I spent a lot of time defragging and rebuilding and doing things. Whereas on my Mac, I've made music, I've made movies, I've made this wonderful podcast. I've made books. Um, it feels to me like a, an extension of me in terms of the creative output stuff I do. And, and that's what I really love about it. And in a lot of ways that kind of gets to the origin of the Mac power users, because, um, you know, we don't do a lot of shows on how to defrag. We do a lot of shows about how to create stuff with your computer. And, and I guess we should, we, we should move to that now. How did we get here to Mac power users? Well, I think it started at, at Macworld, and I want to say it was Macworld of 2008 because that was my very first Macworld. Um, I was there. You were there. That was the year for, for reference. Um, that was the year when they introduced the MacBook Air, the original MacBook Air, the really slow one. Um, and, I, I, you know, we, we had some of the same friends in common. You were doing the Mac Sparky thing. You had the Mac Sparky blog, and you were doing some Mac Sparky screencasting. Um 
I had another podcast that I was doing at the time, and I was doing some some blogging on my own. And and we had some mutual friends, mainly um, Victor Kayahu, Tim Verporten, Don McAllister, um, you know, and some of those other folks. And I think we originally met just through that group of friends. And just a bunch of people kind of said, oh, you're a lawyer, you're a lawyer. You guys should get together and do something. And I think we said, Which, yeah, 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 yeah. That sounded like the dumbest thing in the whole world to me. I'm like, okay, there are two lawyers making a podcast about Max. I Who in the heck would ever care about that? I mean, at that point in my kind of Max Sparky career, I had the blog was doing pretty well. I was doing an occasional screencast, and, and I was starting to do some speaking. And I, I was contributing to several podcasts, like when someone would ask me to do a review or something. But I didn't really have my own, and I, I wasn't even sure I wanted to, because it seemed to me like so much of the stuff was already so well covered. And that's when you and I kind of went into the planning phases for the show. And it took us More several than months six to kind of, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and I, I was actually, you know, Katie had to woo me cause I, I wasn't sure I even wanted to do a podcast. And if I did one, I didn't want it to be like anything else. Well, I was doing a podcast at that time. Um, and I liked, I loved the podcast format. I, I listened to quite a few podcasts, a lot of our friends were doing podcasts. That particular podcast was was winding down, and the and the writing was on the wall that that it was ending. And I liked the idea of getting into another podcast. And so I had some of the the technical background of of, of the, the the technicalities of of how you do a podcast. But I was very hesitant about jumping into something else because we kept saying of well we could do something like insert name of one of the podcasts we liked here, and then we immediately said no that podcast was already, was already doing it. Um, and, and then it was, well, we could do something that's a mix of insert name of podcast we like and insert name of other podcasts we like. And then we said, well, no, that just kind of seems like, but like a rip off of those two podcasts. And we really wanted to find something new, uh, a new angle. We knew that we didn't want to do news. We knew that we didn't want to do rumors. Uh, and it was really, what kind of thing do we want to do? And, and we finally came up with this idea of, you know, what if we picked one topic and really dove deep on it? Yeah. And really what it came down to was I, I was thinking, what is it that I would like to listen to? I, I like podcasts. I love the idea of getting information while I'm driving around or, you know, mowing the lawn. And what kind of information is it that I want? And I, I realized that, you know, the shows that focus on, you know, what, Steve Jobs is feeling like, or, you know, the news kind of related shows, there's only so much of that I can take. But what I would really like to do is get better at this stuff. And I, and frankly, at the point, I was coming up with a lot of my own ideas about how to make things better. And I wanted to share that. So we got thinking, let's make a show that isn't about news. Let's make a show that, that really helps people become better at it. And which kind of leads to the name. And at the, the time, there was no show like that at all. And and we wondered if anybody in the world would care. Yeah. And originally, you know, we're kind of famous right now for our shows being an hour and a half, sometimes longer. Um, originally, we didn't think that the shows would be that long, except for the epic email episode that just went on and on and on and on, and on which we ultimately split it into. Well, but- I, I knew, frankly, after that first show that we were going to have um, – long shows <laughs> because I, I, cause there's just so much to say. And I didn't feel like it was 
fluffy. You know, we try to get started right away with the topic and get straight on to things. But, but, you know, I want that person out there to, to finish the show feeling like they really are becoming a pro at whatever we just covered. Yeah. But choosing a name is difficult. Um, you know, uh, obviously one of the considerations was, you know, is the URL available? And that was, I don't even remember what some of our other names in consideration were, but I, I know that that cleared some of them right out of the pipeline because, you know, back then we didn't have all these other level domains. It was really .com, .net, and .org. Um, and if you weren't one of those, you you couldn't really find them. Um, but Mac Power I, Users I, I, was one we kept coming back to. But I think we both had a lot of hesitation about that name. Yeah, but I actually remember I was pacing around my office. I was at work and we got on the phone together and you were on the computer searching out domain names. And and we actually decided it in about the course of 10 minutes. I mean, we was that was on our list for some time. But as soon as we saw that it was available, we're like, you know what? Let's just do it. Yeah. I mean, I think we had gone through some some preliminary lists. But yeah, once we saw it was available. I don't think Mac Power User was available, though. It was interesting. That was yeah. one of them. It was like, oh, is it plural? Is it singular? Um, but yeah. And then and then everybody said, are you crazy? Mac Power Users? People are going to – isn't that a show about programming? Or aren't you going to be talking about Perl Script or Objective-C or something like that? That was hard. Yeah, and that that is that is kind of an interesting angle. I mean, the big idea for this show has always been that we are not making this show for Perl programmers. We're making it for people who own florist shops and who are doctors and who – you know, are homeschooling their kids and who just want to have really good use of their technology. And and that has always been a focus of our show. And I think that's one of the things that really distinguishes us from a lot of, of other shows. I mean, there's a lot of shows out there that cater to the, you know, the top 10% alpha nerds. Um, I think our show doesn't. We really actually try to get, we try to reach out to people like us who just want to get really good at this stuff. And, and I feel like that's one of our, the best things we ever did. Yeah. So what were you, did you have any fears? Uh, what were you worried about did, when, we, when we started recording these? What, I mean, were you nervous about anything? Uh, I realized that I had a lot to learn in terms of broadcast skills. And even after 200 shows, I still stutter and use the word um. And, you know, there, there's things about my talking that aren't all that great, but it's very extemporaneous. I mean, we don't script out the show. We do outline the topics we want to cover, but we don't sit down and script it out. And I was a little worried. I'd just embarrass myself by being kind of ridiculously bad. I didn't have any expectations about audience size. So I, I didn't really expect much. I, I knew that the show would be fun to make. I knew I'd learn, learn a bunch just making the show. And if a few people liked it, that would be great too. I, I guess I could say I went into it without a lot of expectations. I didn't really know you that well at the time. To be frankly, I, I didn't know what our chemistry would be like. I guessed it on your old show once. That's and, right. Um, you did guess that, it on my old show. That's not really enough, right? Uh, so I I didn't know where it would go, but, you know, it seems like it was all very fortuitous. Um, You know, I, just speaking of that, I, I think in total, David, you and I have met maybe half a dozen times. Certainly less than 10. Yeah. In, yeah. in person, which is which is odd when you think about that we've we've sat down at least two hundred times now to record the show, but um, but you know, we've 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 actually sat down in person less than less than a half a dozen or so. But yeah. with, with an average show length of an hour and a half, we've had a three hundred hour phone call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know that that's one of the secrets to our success is we don't see each other that much because anybody that spends a lot of time with me, they they honestly really can't stand me after a very short time. 
I, I guess I had a few expectations. Um, having done a podcast before, I, I knew a little bit about it. I, I I certainly didn't know what other people were expecting in terms of numbers. I knew what my own show was getting in terms of numbers. And I knew a little bit about audio production. I certainly wouldn't call myself an expert in audio production. I, I knew what sounded bad, and I knew some things that you could do to make it sound better. And I think we've we've done that throughout the show. And I think the I, I went back and listened to I, I I listened to part of the the Launch Bar show, which I think was show seven or show eight when the new Launch Bar came out. I was just like, whoa, okay. But it's not horrible. It's it's not great, but it's not horrible. But. We were really there kind of at the end of the cowboy phase of podcasting. I mean, I won't say we were there at the beginning because it wasn't the beginning, but it was still kind of in its cowboy phase. Podcasting has become much more of a business and more professional in the years we've been doing the show. Yeah. And um, so my my biggest fear about the show at that time and, and probably for the first six months or so w- was running out of things to talk about. Because we we hit this idea of we were going to run we were going to do a show on a single topic, and I thought, okay, great, we're going to cover email, we're going to cover productivity, we're going to cover you know da 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 da. I had a I had a list of about a dozen or so topics. I'm like, and then we're done. There's our show. That's going to be well. Quick. Actually, you shared that with me on every phone call we had for like the first year. <laughs> what are we going to talk you, about? When I first said, let's just do one thing. You're like, that's never going to work. We'll run out. And you, I remember you were very coy about it. You'd say, well, well, you just promised to do shows for a year. And I said, yeah, but we'll just do two a month. Cause this is going to take a lot of prep. And that's one of the things about our show that I, I think, I think the audience appreciates that we actually spend quite a bit of time preparing these shows. Uh, and I, I know that what the other side's like, cause occasionally, um, you will, I'll guest on a show. Like I just guessed it on, was it the British tech podcast? Yeah. Yeah. Did I get it right? I just did that a few days ago. It was a lot of fun, but you just show up and you just talk about, well, what about iWatch? And you just kind of say what you think. That's really easy. Uh, our show is actually quite a bit of work preparing for. So, so we said, well, let's just do two a month and let's really do it right. And that's something that's always led me, you know, straight when I'm do whether it's a book or something for the day job or whatever, just, just do it right. Do something you're proud of and take as much time as that requires. And I think that was a smart move for us at the beginning. Yeah. Well, I I want to talk a little bit about um, as MPU grew through the years, and and part of that is actually talking a little bit about sponsors. But I do want to take a quick moment and talk about our exclusive sponsor for the show because we haven't talked about any of our sponsors yet, and that is One Password. And One Password actually specifically asked to exclusively sponsor episode two hundred because One Password is one of the sponsors who have been with us from the very beginning. And most of our listeners by now know what One Password is. Um, they are an app that's available on your Mac, on your iPad, on your iPhone, now on Android devices as well, on your Windows PC, that will allow you to create strong, secure passwords that will sync across all of your devices so that there's no excuse to have these really weak passwords. Um, but I was asking Dave at One Password, you know, what what is it that you'd want us to talk about? Because it's show 200, it's kind of special. And he said, well, maybe you guys could talk about, you know, your, your one password origin story and, and, and how you started using with passwords and, and how you came to one password. And so, you know, I thought I'd share a little bit of that with you because like everybody, I was guilty originally before I found one password of being that person who had like four or five passwords. And then I would take that password and I would add a couple numbers to the end of it. And that was my super secure password. And I would use the same password for every site over and over again, because there was just no way to keep track of it. 
Um, and while I was doing the other podcast, one password came out. Um, in fact, they were so new, they weren't even one password. They were one password spelled funny because that was a big thing of, of tech companies. P-A-S-S-W-D, I think is how they originally spelled it. They couldn't even get the one password.com domain name originally. Um, and they, you know, they were, they were trying to get people to cover them. And I, I used a very early version before syncing was available in one password. That was how how early I used 1Password. Um, and it was just immediately a game changer. You could put all of your passwords into this um, secure vault and it would remember them for you. And they had a plug-in for Safari and it would autofill. And um, it was just a whole new world. Now, I will admit, David, we did one of our early episodes on 1Password. I'd have to go find it and put it in the show notes. It was like eight or so, maybe episode eight. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but for the longest time, for the first year or so, while I was using 1Password, I was just using it as a password filler. I, I had that hesitation where I wasn't um, uh, confident enough to use it as a 1Password, as a password generator, because I didn't like the idea of not knowing what my passwords were. And in prepping for that show, you shamed me so much about what is the point of doing this if you're not going to actually change all of your passwords and, and have unique passwords across multiple sites? Do you understand how dangerous and how bad this is? Um, so that's when I started slowly but surely a couple of sites at a time changing all my passwords over to randomly generated passwords. Uh, and, you know, that was almost 200 episodes ago now. And I've never looked I, back. I feel bad. Now I feel bad, Katie now, You Floyd. feel bad about that? I shamed you. <laughs> I, don't think you, I, don't like, think you I don't think you publicly shamed me. Oh, did I? I no, let you have it I, on the phone. <laughs> I think it was privately shaming, yes. I, I found out about 1Password shortly after it was initially released as well. I think before they got the O. And I immediately saw the benefit of it. I just, I I always understood the problems with passwords. And like everybody else, I tried, you know, making up little lists. And I had a little black book at one point, And then I had this very complex system in a, in a paper address book where I would write a person's name like Sam Locke. L O C K E. And then I put a phone number in there, you know, and, and then maybe I would like, I had one system at one point where I would, in every password I would write down in the book, I would reverse the last two digits. Oh, dear. So like if it was one, two, three, four, I would write it down one, two, four, three. And this is really complex systems. And, and I remember just trying to mash randomly mash buttons on the keyboard to make a password. And none of, none of that stuff works. And as soon as I found one password, I was in love. And the funny thing is shortly afterwards, I was walking down the aisle at Macworld, and Dave, one of the founders of one password was at in tiny town at a little booth with one password. I went up and said, Hey, you know, I really love what you guys have done. And him and I just like immediately hit it off. And we started talking for like, two hours outside the booth while he's, you know, people are coming by to look at his stuff. And we were talking about how we convince our wives to let us buy new Macs. And, you know, it's just, I always feel like I grew up with one password in a certain extent because they were becoming a, a successful company as I was turning the Mac Sparky stuff into something that, you know, I could be proud of. And I, I feel very um, fortunate to have met Dave that day. And I just have a lot of, of respect and love for those guys because they work so hard to make a great password solution. I was uh, just this was checking. an ad, wasn't it? It was, but uh, hey, th hey that oh, I forgot. <laughs> www.onepassword without the O still works. They're so smart. Yeah, sorry. But um, just anyway. kind of straight off there. <laughs> yeah. Um, you can check them out and find more information. We'll talk about them a little bit more later in the show about what they actually do at um, onepassword with the O, onepassword.com. Um, and just thanks to them for, for sticking it out with us for t almost 200 episodes now. So. 
So we, uh, so we put a show out and all of a sudden people started listening, which was, I think a, as big a surprise to Katie Floyd and me as anybody else. I, I remember, um, and, and we'll talk a little bit later about the technicalities of, of how we produce the show, but, um, you know, we used Lipson for our downloads and I, I was watching the stats, watching the stats, watching the stats. And they, they just, boom, I came home from work one day and just the, the number of people who downloaded our first show was, was almost, you know, uh, that very first day, it, it was a multiple of the number of people who ever downloaded the original show that I was on. And so that was the only basis of comparison, I thought. And I thought, oh, my gosh, David, we're famous. You know, we're internet famous or whatever. Um, and so there we go. Uh, I, it I, was completely know, unexpected for me. It's funny. Even to this day, I I just don't really keep up with the number of downloads. Sometimes yeah. I see it and it it kind of shocks me how many people would listen to me. But uh, the 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 thing for me that really struck me immediately was the emails and the contacts we would get from people all over the world. I mean, it just I still haven't got over like the email I received from a guy in Africa talking about how he Velcros his phone to his dashboard. And so he can listen to the show. And I mean, we just hear from people all over the world. And I got an email from, more... a, from a guy uh, earlier this week and, and I, I, I don't have his name in front of me cause I wasn't thinking about it. Um, but he his daughter's name is Caitlin. Hi, Caitlin. And he says that he groans and rolls his eyes and sometimes calls his daughter, Katie Floyd. And she knows what that means. <laughs> yeah i love that I I love it. but i mean just just hearing that you're touching people really to me is the drug that makes this all worth it i i love it i just love it. and from the very beginning we got that kind of excellent support from the community and it turns out that you know other people wanted to hear the kind of same kind of stuff that we were we were struggling with and and that was really something special so um you know, someone in the chat room just asked how many how many total downloads does MPU have. We don't we don't publicly share those numbers, but um, we we are very grateful that it, it is a high number of of podcasts or a high high number of downloads, and and we are very thankful to all of those. But things. Can well, can I say something? Let me say something. Katie's going to get mad at me, but probably I've been at like a I've been at like a baseball stadium and looking around, and I realize that we are getting more downloads than there are people in the baseball stadium, yeah. and it just blows me away. It just I just can't even fathom it. And then I, I try to not think about it anymore and go back to making my show. <laughs> you, at, at some point you just have to stop thinking about it because then you'll, you'll never actually be able to speak um, because you'll be so afraid of saying something. Um, but as the show went on, we were, we were doing two shows a month because David was very busy. I was very busy. Um, and um, Jean McDonald of smile now of App camp for girls called us and and said, "Hey, I've been I've been listening to your show. Um do you guys sell sponsorships?" And David and I just kind of looked at each other um over the internet, I guess, and said, "Um do we sell sponsorships? I guess we could think about it. I guess we could do that." Okay. And Jane said, "Well, let's let's set up a call and we'll talk about it." And David and I went back and forth going, "What do we do? What do we do? What do we say? What do, what do we do?" And so, so what we did was, was we hysterical. told Jean, all right, Jean, which, what should we charge? <laughs> it was horrible. Hi, Philip. Yeah. Hi, Greg. That, yeah, that's how it happened. Thank you. Um, and, and so smile was our first sponsor who, who came on board and, and, and we are for forever grateful to them. And, and then Dave from one password also listens to our show and said, Hey, 
I heard you guys advertising for Smile on your show. What's up with that? How can we get in on that? And we said, yeah, and oh, okay. And I don't know how much people want to hear about this, but even to this day, most of our sponsors are people who approach us. And then we kind of vet through. There's our, there are people who approach us that we reject. And um, we do, and we do have sponsors on the show. And frankly, it's quite a bit of work. And we actually have quite a bit of expense in terms of all the things we do to make the show work. So I don't really feel bad about it. And, uh, but it's, it's been really nice too. I mean, it's helped support us financially as we, as we continue with the show. Yeah, and and then Omni came on, and and it and it grew from there, and 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 we just I, I can't tell you enough um, how thankful we are for 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 those original sponsors because you know honestly, and and Gene just popped in the chat room. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about this, David, but if, but if Gene hadn't reached out and said that, I, I don't know that we would have ever been smart enough to figure out how to do this ourselves. And I don't know that there would be a Mac Power users today if Gene hadn't reached out to us and say, hey, what do you guys think about sponsorship? Because I don't know that we could have, afford, you know, just, you know, been able to invest all as much time and all as we do, at least have it in the form that we do today without that support. So um, everybody thank Gene McDonald for the Mac Power users that exist today. The, um, you know, the other thing early on is we, we really didn't know. Um, I, I got thinking kind of early, this is going great and people are enjoying it, but I felt like it was too opinionated by me and Katie to a certain extent. I felt like there's only so much you can hear me and Katie yak about before you get tired of it. And, and also I wanted to hear other people's opinions. I was smart enough to know that there are a lot of other people out there that had interesting ideas that hadn't occurred to neither Katie or I. And that's when I got thinking about, let's start doing shows you know, just talking to people, how they use their Macs. And at the time, I don't think there was an iPhone. So if memory serves, but so I really wanted to talk to people about what they use. And that's kind of when we came up with the workflow concept. And, and this and would then, be at, at Macworld 2009 when David decided to stalk Merlin man. Well, I, I was actually kicking the workflow idea around for a few months before that, but then I saw Merlin at the Omni booth and I'm thinking, this is the perfect guy for the first workflow show. And I didn't stalk him. I just waited until he was done with his presentation. He was actually, you know, Merlin is a very pleasant person when you meet him. And, and I, he's like us, he's a nerd. He wants to be out there and be around other nerds. So he was answering questions for everybody. And, and I actually, I knew I did want to kind of pitch him on doing the show and I didn't know how much time he had or whatever, but I decided I would wait until everybody was done talking to him before I asked him because I didn't want, I didn't think I could do it in like one sentence. So I waited and then I told him about the show and he says, sure, let's do it. Here's my email address. You know, when do you want to record? And then I get this frantic phone call. Katie, Katie, Merlin said he'd do our show. Merlin man said he'd come on our show. You were totally stalking. I have to admit, I've always had a thing for Merlin. I just think he's really funny and really smart. And, uh, so we, uh, so we did it and that was the first workflow show. And that's one of my favorite shows and it came out great. And that will kind of open the door for, the the format of our show to this day is really we do kind of what we call the content shows where we focus on one thing like we just did one on Evernote and we do the workflow shows like we just did with Wally and and we have a nice big list of people that are doing amazing things and over the years we've had you know we've had everything you can imagine we've had you know uh, journalists and movie directors and actors and it's just it seems like doctors we've had almost every walk of life on the show and and we've got even more people planned for the future 
Yeah. And and the workflow show was, in all honesty, a, a little bit of a break, too, because the, the content shows, I, I won't lie, take a lot of planning. I mean, hours and hours of planning every week go into the, the content shows that we bring you. And the workflow shows, although we certainly prepare to them, we prepare for them, um, you know, without letting out any secrets, they're not as intensive. I mean, we could probably, we can prepare for a workflow show, you know, in a couple of hours of preparation versus several hours of preparation that goes into a, um, into a content show. And so the workflow show was our, our first a bit of, you know, opportunity to branch out. And so I think the way that we originally did this, David, is we are doing two shows a month was our initial publication schedule. And then with episode 23, which was the original Merlin show, we decided that we were going to do, okay, well, we'll do two shows a month plus the workflow show. And that was when we branched out to three shows a month. Yeah, that sounds right. And, but we didn't do that very long until we went over to five by five. And then we started doing four shows a month. Yeah. I, Am I, I w- getting that right? Well, we did that for a while, but we moved to, I, I, I had to look this up last night when I was preparing our outline. Um, the weekly publication started in 2012. In January of 2012 is when we moved to a weekly show. And that about, not quite, we moved to five by five at the end of 2011. But we just decided to start at the new year to do the weekly shows. Um, and th- that was a big change for you and I saying that, oh, my gosh, we're going to commit to doing this every single week. Well, and the interesting thing is we didn't make any announcement when we did it. We just started doing weekly shows. Well, because part, part I didn't of that is because we want to be able to go back. Exactly. I didn't want to commit. I just felt like, well, let's try it for a month or two. And if we can hang with it, we'll keep doing it. If not, we'll stop. We never, we're never going to promise anyone a weekly show. And it actually has turned out really nice. I, I really look forward to once a week getting on the mic and, you know, I just make time, whatever, you know, we need to do to get ready. We just make time for it. Yeah. And, and there have been, um, you know, we've, we've done a show every single week since we, we committed to that, but you know, you went to Alaska, I went to Alaska, you went to Hawaii. I mean, there have been times when we have each been gone for a couple of weeks here and there. So we've just, you know, pre-planned that banked in advance. Um, we've been through all kinds of stuff together. Um, you know, and, uh, we've, we've always managed to, to get the show out sometimes a day or two late, but, We've always managed to get the show out. And the move to five by five, I guess we should probably talk about that. Um, that was that was kind of a big before we okay. Yeah, but before we get there, I you know when we do those things where we record two or three in advance and we take a few weeks off. Yeah. I, I go through withdrawals. I don't like to do that. I frankly would rather record one a week because I start to miss it after a couple of weeks. I need to get on the mic again. Do you <laughs> get that experience too? Um, sometimes. You know, I I, I gotta admit, sometimes I'm like Oh, I don't have to record a show this week. But then all of a sudden I'll be like, huh, I didn't get to talk to David this week. So yeah, I do start yeah. to miss it. It, it. It's give and take too. Yeah. Well, there's only so much of me you can take, right? Oh, you know. <laughs> um, five, so five by five, that was an interesting thing. Yeah. I don't remember. That was your idea. Um, or that came through you because can I, can I make an admission? Is anybody, nobody's listening to this, right? No, nobody. Yeah. Um, They're all at the baseball park. That, that's right. Um, <laughs> I I will admit that I was not that familiar with what 5x5 five five was until you started talking about, hey, 5x5 five five has some interest in us. I was like, huh? 5 by who? What? Dan who? Well, well, what it was is it just was real simple. I, I think 
I don't know if Merlin had something to do with it, but Dan just emailed me and said, when are you guys going to be on our network? And I had never really thought about it before, but it seemed like a good move. And, um, and it was really pretty informal. I mean, we, we pulled it off in a very short period of time. Yeah. I started, you asked me about it and I started listening to some five by five shows and that's how I, um, that's how I got exposed to Marco and John and, and some of those shows. And I thought these pretty good stuff over here. Their shows were just starting about the time that we moved over to five by five. And so the, the network was really expanding then. And that was a, that was a great opportunity. Um, because, you know, both from a listener perspective, we got, we got a quite a spike in numbers. I mean, it ultimately settled back down, but there was quite a spike in, in numbers. And I think, you know, in, in terms of exposure and to some degree credibility, I think, you know, being part of a network can lend you. Um, it, it also really helped just with some of the technicalities of, of getting a show out. And I guess we'll talk about that a little more in the, we, we've got a section in this outline on, on how we create an, a Mac power users episode, because that out that that's kind of built into two sections before we moved to five by five, we did all of this after we moved to five by five, we got to skip these steps. Well, you want to talk about that right now? Yeah. Yeah. We can, we can talk about that. So I mean, um, from the beginning. Yeah. Go ahead. From the from the beginning, our show has been all about pre-planning, in my opinion. I mean, I felt like that's what we needed to be different from the other podcasts. And uh, we have like we have multiple outlines for future shows at any time. And Katie and I are always in there fiddling with the outlines and trying to make them better. And we get so much feedback from listeners that we do the same thing. We incorporate a lot of that feedback into future shows, um, just like we're going to be doing a show in the future on, you know, people who have a Mac at home and a PC at work and I think we put it out there on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. We put it out there on Twitter and we got a ton of, of really good ideas from listeners and we've already incorporated that into the outline. I mean, we spend, I, I feel like we spend probably twice as much time preparing for a show as we do recording a show is, is probably a fair estimate. Mm, I think so, it's, I think it's more than that, but yeah. 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 I, I always under, underestimate time, but the, the, the bottom line is we actually spend a, a great deal of time because we want the show to come off to the listener where we give you the information and we don't fiddle and have wishy-washy answers. I mean, we want you to listen and, and leave with an answer. So that, that has been the focus of our show from the beginning is the preparation. And, and so we've got, uh, we, we've done this in different ways. We originally started with, uh, we still have a shared Dropbox for many things. We originally started doing this with uh, Omni Outliner because I love Omni Outliner. You have love Omni Outliner. I mean, it, it just was so easy. That was the only outlining tool we would ever use to, to create these outlinings and, and share them via Dropbox. And now you can share them through the Omni Sync service, but the Omni Sync service didn't, didn't come, a, come away for a while. Um, but we ultimately moved that workflow over to Google Docs. And although Google Docs certainly is not as pretty of an outline as something that you can create in Omni Outliner, I think it I think it's worked very well for us. And so at any given time, we've got, you know, we've got a spreadsheet with all of our upcoming shows. We've got a spreadsheet with who's the sponsors for those particular shows. You know, we've got a spreadsheet with, you know, potential, or we've got a, a doc with potential show ideas, potential workflow guest ideas, you know, shows that we could do now, shows that we need a guest for, shows that we want to do in the future, but we're waiting for some reason. Maybe we know that there's an app update coming or we want to do the show after the next operating system comes out. Um, and so sometimes we'll just, when we're, when it comes time to picking a show for the week, we'll pick off that list or sometimes we'll say, well, what, what, what do you feel like talking about this week? What do you feel like doing? But, um, and then we start, you know, going in and creating an outline. And then sometimes we've got some draft outlines already 
already started for shows. Yeah, a lot of this stuff is planned, you know, quite a bit in advance. And that gives us a chance to, you know, to really kind of dig in and show up ready to record. Right. Um, we we try to kind of split the shows between the the workflow shows and the topic shows. It's not a written rule that it has to be every other, but we kind of keep try to keep an even split based on on scheduling and and things like that. And then, you know, depending on who's particularly interested in a show or who's got what going on that week, um, well, that person will kind of take lead on prepping the outline for that show. And, you know, I'll say, okay, well, I'll take a first stab at the, at the Evernote outline. And, and then, you know, you can go in and add stuff or, or whatever. Yeah. And, and it really is a collaborative process. I mean, we, the, the, the outlines go through several iterations. Sometimes we're moving stuff around. Um, using the Google Docs has made it easier for us to kind of work at the same time. This kind of is a funny backstory. I had a family thing that I didn't expect this morning. We're recording this on a Sunday morning. And so I had to, I knew I had to be on the mic at 10, but I had to, to make a pretty long drive this morning to help somebody out. Um, so my daughter drove and I sat in the passenger seat and worked on the outline all the way down in Google Docs. And I could see Katie jumping in there and doing stuff. It really is a nice I think we've kind of grown into a really nice process with this. Now, that being said, I'm never done with tools. I'm I'm not that happy with Google Docs in a lot of ways. Um, and Katie, I've been experimenting with some of the stuff uh, iCloud sharing is doing now. And they're not there yet. But, you know, if you're in the browser, if both parties in the browser, it works pretty good. Mm, I don't know. We had that one disastrous iCloud sharing attempt, and I don't know. It burned me. I, I know it's better now. And it was in beta. It wasn't disastrous. It wasn't disastrous. It just wasn't as, as simultaneous as, as Google Docs. Yeah, but either way, I, you know, the funny thing is it, developing the show, we are constantly looking at our workflows and finding ways to make things faster and easier. We just did the Evernote show, so I'm not going to go through all that. But we, we use some very sophisticated Evernote tricks to manage feedback for the show. And, you know, w- both of us are always looking at every element of production and figuring out ways to, to streamline it. Um, and then I guess in terms of, of technicalities of recording the show, if you want to hear the whole long story where we talk about it for an hour and a half, um, there's a Mac Power Users episode called Podcasting the How and the Why. And we'll put a link to that in the show notes where we go through in, in pretty great detail the technical setup of, of how we record Mac Power Users. And I tell you, it's it's not that fancy. Um, but but generally, David and I have, have kept our setups you – know, Pretty simple. I mean, part of that being, um, you know, initially we didn't want to go through a lot of costs and expense for a show that I was convinced was only going to last a year. Um, and and part of that being is that, you know, neither – I know, David, you've got a musical background, but we're not, you know, this – you know, we don't have huge audio setups and mixers and, and things like that. We, we wanted a simple but good, clean plug-and-play solution. Yeah, I – um. I I had a fancier setup at the beginning than I do now. I I was using a you know a traditional microphone with a board and all that other stuff, um, and now I've gone to just a USB Rode Podcaster and I've been using that for a couple of years and I'm really happy with it. 
Yeah, in fact, we we both have the same mic setup, and it was the one that Dan Benjamin recommended um, at for for most of his podcasters on Five by Five. I think use this, um, but it's a Rode Podcaster. It's the USB version, so you can direct plug it into your Mac. You don't need a board. Um, it comes with a nice boom swivel arm, which is great because it's a mic that I can keep out all the time. I used to have just a a standard um, mic stand. And I would have to, you know, lug it out of the closet every time it was time to record a show. And now I, now I just, you know, because we record these shows every week now, I just keep it up 24-7. And I just slide it off to the side of my my workstation when I'm not working and I, I slide it back. When I have people come over, it, it's always a conversation start being, um, what exactly is that and why do you have that? But, um, but it's a nice all-in-one set. Um, and then I do have, um, there are a couple of, of apps that we use to do this. Um, I use a, a free, uh, I'm sorry, not free. I think it's like 2 or $3 app in the Mac App Store called Shush, which um, is basically a quote unquote cough button. I know Barry in the chat room was just asking about that. But you can either use it as a push to talk or a push to silence button. And I almost always use mine as a push to talk button because I feel like I've, you know, I, I've, my house is pretty close to my neighbors here and um, you know, I, I like talking with my hands and moving around and, and stuff. So I, I push it when I want to talk. And then otherwise, I've, the audio is over here silent so I can scream and yell and shout and, and do all of that other stuff. Um, David, I think you use it more as a, a traditional cough button. So you just push it when you have to cough or yeah, something yeah, I like keep that. Yeah, I keep it hot through the show because I like to wave my hands when I talk. And if I have to hold down a button, that's not going to gonna help me. But yeah, so there, there's a few little tricks. Uh, the other thing, I think the big thing we did at the beginning we didn't know what a double ender was and and now we do so we record the show locally at both sides when you have skype anybody who's used skype knows that sometimes it sounds kind of wonky but by both of us recording locally then we can combine the original recordings from our local machines and that makes the show sound a lot better and if you go back to the beginning you could actually tell who edited the show because katie and i would all, well, Katie did more of it than I did, but whenever I edited a show, I sounded really good and Katie sounded kind of bad because she was the other end of a Skype call. And whenever Katie edited, I sounded kind of bad and she sounded better. And, and that's that's you know, why finally... I volunteered to edit most of the shows because I always wanted to be the one that sounded good. Now the story comes out. See, yes. I always thought, yeah. I, I knew Katie Floyd was up to no good, but but either way, so we, we kind of figured that out and... um it's you know it's just been an evolving thing show planning is another thing just kind of figuring out when to do the show for at the beginning that was kind of difficult because we're on different coasts and we both have different you know things going on i i've got a family so then you know there's kids events and you know weekends aren't always your own and uh, so it took us a while but we've kind of settled into where we we usually record on a weeknight at 6 p.m. Pacific or on a weekend morning at like 10. And, and it seems like we've kind of got that nailed down just through habit at this point. Yeah. Um, and just getting back to the to the editing a little bit, when I edited the show, I always just did it simply in GarageBand. Um, that was back in the days when uh, Logic was a lot more expensive. I know all the Apple Pro apps have, have since had a price drop. And if I was still editing it, I, I would have um, gone out and bought Logic. That was one of the great blessings of moving to 5x5 five five, is along with the move to 5x5 five five came access to the 5x5 five five editors. And I just have to, to send a shout out um, 
to Mark Miles, who has just been absolutely wonderful. Um, Mark has edited most of our shows, not all of them, since we made the move to 5x5. Five five. Um, earlier this year, there was some different editing, and, and I know some people complained about some of the audio quality, and, and Mark has come back the last several shows, and um, they, they've just been wonderful. And so the, the audio quality of Mac Power users, I know, has, has definitely jumped since since Mark's been on board doing the editing because he, he has a great ear for these things. He knows how to edit these shows. And, and when I email him and say, um, Mark, you know, our, and, and it's some hard sometimes when, when we're editing when we've got guests because the guests are doing us a favor. You know, they're giving us their time. Um, but sometimes they don't have great audio setups, you know, nor would you expect them to because, because podcasting is not their thing. And, you know, so you give the guests a couple of pointers, but a lot of times you just get what you get. And Mark's done some great stuff with that. Yeah, and I can like send Mark an email that says, I burped at 20 minutes and 13 seconds, and then he <laughs> finds it and takes it out. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> um, the, the show notes is another thing that has evolved. I mean, at the beginning, Katie was doing more of the editing. I was doing more of the show notes. And then we had some people volunteer, you know, JT and Haley came in and they do so much better than I ever did at the show notes because I always felt like it was very hard for me to to take good show notes and be a good show host because you can't sit here and like think and follow the conversation at the same time, keep writing things down for the show notes or capturing websites. So then I'd have to go do it afterwards. Well, by the time... I finished recording a Mac Power Users episode. I've probably, between the recording time and the prep time, I've probably got between six and eight hours in the episode. And now I need to spend another two hours putting show notes together. And you know what? That's kind of hard, you know, because I got to I got to be getting ready for the next week's show. So JT and Haley are just uh, a godsend for us. And, and the show notes have been better than ever. I mean, there's a lot about our show, I think, that just keeps getting better. And that's what I love about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that became a lot easier when we made the move to five by five uh, is just the distribution of the podcast. Originally, um, we still kept our, our WordPress site at MacPowerUsers.com, um, but originally we had our own site. Um, we were using FeedBurner for the RSS, which I'm just waiting for Google to kill that service. I hope they don't, but I'm just waiting. Um, and Libsyn was doing the hosting. And if you're new to podcasting, those are those are services you should check out. Although, like I said, I'm I'm a little nervous that feed burners on borrowed time, but now it's just handled by five by five with with their CMS. So it's just a matter of putting into their CMS and and boom, it it is really. I mean, from from a post production standpoint, David, um, we have very little to no post production time. You know, from the point in time that we finish the recording, um, we we collect all of the audio that's out there, yours, mine, the guest, if there is one, you know, send it off to Mark. He edits it, um, you know, send it off to either JT or Haley, whoever's doing the show notes. And, um, you know, Sunday night I hit publish and it's, it's just about done. It's, it's not quite that simple, but it's, it's pretty darn close. And it's, it's just, it's, it's saved us so many hours and it's been wonderful. Now we've got some, some fun and interesting listener questions. And we've got some thoughts about the future of the show and Apple. And I want to talk about those, but before we do that, let's just spend a couple minutes talking once again about the exclusive sponsor for the show's one password. And Katie and I talked about 
how we came across 1Password. And I just kind of want to talk a little bit about how much I love using it to this day. And 1Password, if you're not aware, is the application that solves your password problems. And I think more than ever, this is something that people need. Uh, it seems like almost daily you're hearing stories about how other people, not you, are compromising your logins and passwords. You know, when you set up these accounts with these companies, you don't realize that they're going to be constantly under attack. And if they don't have the top people trying to protect your data, it is going to get compromised. So 1Password allows you to create separate and distinct logins for each one of those. I mean, we just had this situation with the Apple. Uh, a bunch of people got compromised with their iTunes account. And it turns out what happened was that their passwords were compromised somewhere else. And then the bad guys just used the email and the same password and they tried it at iTunes and it got them in. And then they caused all sorts of havoc. Well, 1Password solves that problem for you. It creates a unique password. It saves it for you. And it does a whole lot more. It stores other data too. I mean, one of the things I love about it is kind of, it's like my digital wallet. I've got all like the 800 numbers. If I lose my wallet, who do I call? I've got the 800 numbers right in one password, which is always syncing to my phone and my iPad and my Mac and whatever other device I use. It's a wonderful application that, that solves a real serious problem. And the, and the problem is really only getting more serious as the hackers get more sophisticated and we put more data out there. So, uh, Run over to onepassword.com. Check out their website. They they explain it all for you. Katie and I have talked about it at length. And get yourself one password. Get yourself on the right boat. Now, if you're already on the one password boat, drag your family in with you. Even the people that aren't aspiring to be Mac Power users, people who aren't that sophisticated with computers, because they need the stuff probably more than you do. And let them know you heard about it from the Mac Power users. And and thanks one password for your support through all these years. So um, we've got some listener questions that have, have popped up, and um, we, we sent out a call on, on Twitter and on the Google Plus community and thought, you know, this would be a good chance. And we got, a, we got a bunch of listener questions. I probably wasn't quite clear on the type of questions I was looking for. We got a bunch of listener questions um, about just general Mac Power user stuff, and so I have saved those for um, the Mac Power users live, next live show. Um, so if your question didn't get answered, it may end up in the next MPU live show. So I try to keep these listener questions more focused on um, the history of the show and, and stuff like that. Um, but Shane had a couple. And the first was, um, what are your favorite MPU episodes? And um, I put in the limitation of, uh, let's limit this to five each, please, because otherwise we'd go on and on. So Okay. You go first. Or you, you pick the first one. Let's just bounce back and forth. All right. Um, well, the first one that I have to choose and it's a combo is the first episode, the original mail show, because I think that was, I wasn't entirely sure that Mac power users was going to work. I wasn't entirely sure that that format was going to work. And that email episode just worked, David, you know, and, and it technically it showed one and two because we decided to split it. Um, but it, it really was the first episode. No, well, it was the first episode. So it holds a very sentimental piece place in my heart. Um, but it was the first episode that, and it, it opened my eyes to the fact that, yay, this, this format actually can work. What about yes, you? I'm looking through this. I, as I'm looking through this list, I realize a lot of these are kind of sentimental picks. Yeah. I, I like every one of our episodes, a unique and special snowflake in my mind. But um, uh, one of my favorites is the episode 82, the cooking ideas episode, because it's just something so near and dear to my heart. I felt like it was kind of me 
you know, laying bare, you know, the convoluted system I have for figuring out how to get stuff done. And it really works for me. And, um, and I've had so much great feedback from people over the years that listen to that show. And, and it really made a, a, a significant improvement on their ability to be productive. And, and so that's one of my favorites. That's episode 82, Cooking Ideas. Yeah, that's a that's a very popular episode. A lot of people mention that as as one of their favorite Mac Power users episodes. Um, another one that I'll pick is one of our early workflow episodes. Episode twenty nine was our original. We've now done a second one, workflow with Jason Snell, because as as much as you know, you stalked Merlin Mann. Um, I have always been a huge fan of Macworld Magazine and um, being someone who my original love was publication and I originally thought that that's what I was going to do for a living. I thought one day, you know, my gosh, maybe I could write for Macworld Magazine or something like that. And Jason Snell was, you know, the get. And I thought that we had made it, man, when Jason Snell was going to come on to our episode. So um, now actually we've we've met Jason Snell and all the folks at Macworld and they're very great. And you and I have both written for Macworld Magazine. So things have kind of come full circles and that's been awesome. But uh, yeah, show 29 has a has a special place in my part heart. Yeah, I, and I would go kind of a companion episode of show 23, the first Merlin, the first workflow show we ever did. It was high energy. Merlin was just so fun. And that was the one that told me, okay, we can do these workflow shows. And I think it'll be entertaining and, and instructional to the uh, to the listeners. And that was really kind of setting the path for the workflow piece of the show. So that would be episode 23. Um, another favorite of mine is 62, the Cutting the Cable show. Um, because I, I felt that was kind of my show in a, in a lot of respects. Um, I, I cut the cable. I can that was the show that, that made me cut the cable. Cause I said, well, now I have to do it. Now I'm doing it as, as quote unquote research for this episode. And, um, uh, it ultimately turned into a presentation that I did at Macworld a couple of years ago. And, uh, it, I just, I loved that episode. So cutting the cable 62 was a good one. And I think it's still relevant. Yeah, I, I would, um, next, boy, I, I want to pick multiple ones. Like I, I've enjoyed some of our kind of like Hollywood shows, David Wayne, Aisha Tyler. I thought Aisha's was really great because you really heard her thinking through some significant problems that someone of her stature has that, that a lot of us don't. And I thought that was really fascinating how she was using technology to get by. And she's just so funny and entertaining. Um, I thought that was episode uh, 137 with Aisha Tyler. Um, a, another clearly sentimental pick for me is got to be episode 100. That was our very, um, that was our listener workflow shows, um, or was 50 our very first one, but our very first listener workflow show, um, that was show 100, uh, our very first listener workflow show, just the outpouring from the community on show 100 and the number of people who submitted workflows far more than we could ever have had on the show. I think we ended up having 10 or 12 on the show and it was an epically long show um, and such good workflows. It just, I knew it before, but that was the show that really solidified it about how much listener support we had out there and how smart our listeners were. Yeah, I, I've always known that we had really smart listeners from the beginning because we were getting these emails with these great ideas. And, um, and I think I'll, so my next pick would be, and this, this one is, I'm going to cheat on uh, this new live show format that we're doing once a month. I really, really enjoy it. And, and we're doing five shows now a month instead of four because or, we want to get that. however many weeks there are in the month plus one. Yeah. So sometimes six, I guess. 
but I really am enjoying that having the stuff, the feedback from the listeners, having the live chat room, that that's kind of a new angle to the show. After all these years, we're still learning some new tricks and boy, I sure am enjoying that. Yeah. And I don't know if you remember, David, you were initially opposed to adding one more show. I mean, I think you always liked the idea of the feedback show, but you were like, I just cannot do one more show. I cannot do one more show. And now it's turned out, it turned into one of your favorites. Well, my concern always is quality. I don't want to take on so much that suddenly the quality goes down. And, and if I ever feel that, then we are going to reduce the number of shows. I mean, there's no, there, there is no question about that. The show will always be good or it won't be. Um, so my last pick for um, favorite episodes, um, one, of, one of the more recent ones that we've done, uh, 194, our show with Tom Merritt, because um, that's another sentimental pick for me, because Buzz Out Loud was the first podcast that I really ever listened to. Actually, Mattcast was probably the first podcast. And then he, uh, Adam had Veronica Belmont on his show, and then that led me into Buzz Out Loud. But Buzz Out Loud was one of the longest-running podcasts that I ever listened to. Um, and that was the podcast that got me got me through law school, got me through the first couple of years of my job. I mean, that podcast, I, that podcast went through phases of my life with me um, and got me through a lot of tough things. And I mean, if I ever had to pick one favorite podcast of all time, it, it would be Buzz Out Loud. Um, and then to get Tom Merritt on our show. Um, and I thought it was just a great show in general, but that that was another milestone show for me. I would say for my last pick, which is another cheat, would be the shows that we do when I have a new book come out, because I feel like the Mac Power Users listeners are like my family, and I spend so much time working on these books kind of in secret. I don't want to talk about them a lot until they're actually done, because sometimes it takes me a lot longer than I want it to, but once again, I want it to be done right, and and when I get to share it with my family, that's one of my favorite parts of, of releasing a new book and talking about it. And Katie always asks me interesting questions about how it got made and what we did. And uh, I really enjoy those shows as well. Yes. And I know the secrets. I know what your next book is. I'm not allowed to tell anybody though. Soon. 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 I told a few weeks ago, I said it would be announced, but actually there was a little bit of a, a, a snaffle, a, sna- a snafu, a snafu. Yes. A hangaboo. Uh, so it's going to take another week or two, but it's pretty soon, pretty soon. Just hang in there, man. That would have been cool to announce it on show 200. We should have coordinated that better. Oh, yeah. Well, well I, I won't put you it's on looking good though. All right. It's looking good. Um, so Jeff from iPhone JD, a longtime friend of the show, um, wanted to know what are some of our other favorite podcasts? And I, I love that question because I think it can always help people find other podcasts. In fact, I just had a listener write in, and I apologize, I don't have my email up, so I don't have your name in front of me, but um, who just said, I just found your show, and I listened to all 200 episodes, almost 199, I guess, at this point, in the last three weeks. And I wrote back, and I just says, oh my gosh, you must deserve a medal. I could not imagine listening to 200 episodes of anything, you know, much less me, for, you know, three weeks. So that takes great dedication. But I wrote back and I and he said, well, what am I going to do now? And I said, well, there's some great other podcasts that you should be listening to. And I'm kind of hesitant to pick other podcasts because, uh, you know, so many of our friends do podcasts, David. And I feel like if I pick some but not others, then our people's feelings going to get hurt. So um, I, I will just say there's some great podcasts out there. And, and my picks in no way mean that I like these shows better than others because I like everybody's podcasts equally, right? Yeah. Okay, that sounds very political. There you go. Kind of diplomatic. Yes. <laughs> um, so um, uh, just a, a couple that, that I will pick. Um, 
a lot of podcasts that I've been listening to for, for a long time. Matt Geekab was one of my original podcasts that I, uh, gosh, those guys have been going on for years and years and years now. They've got over, over 500 episodes and uh, John and Dave just do a great show. We've had John, or, sorry, we had Dave on the show. I guess we'll have to have John on the show at some point. Um, Accidental Tech Podcast, I just enjoy because I loved um, Marco and John's original shows on 5 by 5 You know, if they were still on the air, they would be some of my top picks, but they're not anymore. So Accidental Tech Podcast is there. Um, you know, I always like the the Mac Roundtable podcast because I, I always listen to those because those are just a collection of, of some of our good friends. And those don't come off as, as often as I would I would like. But um, when they do, I always listen just because I love hearing what, what our friends have to say. What about I you? Too, um, I, I really like the I am a total fanboy to the incomparable podcast. Um, that's Jason Snell's kind of geek culture podcast. And Jason, that's also on, uh, uh, Jason has been expanding that. I mean, he's got, you know, some stuff on there about Star Trek now and he's he's growing it. But I really like the people he has on the show. They're very entertaining and fun. And I learn things and I find all kinds of great books to read and TV shows to watch listening to that show. So that if I had one on a desert island, it would probably be the incomparable. Um, in terms of Mac podcasts, I, I really like what Renee Ritchie and Guy English have been doing at Debug um, where they've been, and these are super geek interviews. I mean, they, they've been doing a lot of interviews. They just recently started one this week. I just listened to one with a guy who started at Apple. It's in the system seven days. And it's just kind of fascinating to hear his story. And the, um, another geek one I really like is, which is kind of, I know listeners are going to get mad at me when I say tech hives clockwise, cause it's 30 minutes, you know, they're the exact opposite mm-hmm. of Katie and David. They get everything done in 30 minutes. So you can get it in one commute, which is kind of fun. They just spend five minutes on a topic and they, it's really a different kind of show than ours, but I, I like, I really like the people at Macworld and I think they're very smart and, and they, they do some really great work there. Yeah, I agree. Those are actually, all those shows are on my, my listen list as well. And I'll tell you, I don't feel bad and and folks shouldn't either if I listen to to podcasts here and there. You know, if it's a topic that I'm interested in, I'll listen to it. Or if I listen to it at, you know, one and a half or double speed. I know there are a lot of podcasters who say you must listen to every episode to get my whole body of work or you you must listen to it at, at normal speed to get it the way that I intended it. And, you know, if that's how you feel about it, fine. But I just as long as you're getting the information and as long as you feel like it's helping you, go for it. Yeah, whatever works for you. Kind of the idea. Kind of the idea of our show, having one topic per show allows you to kind of, you know, pick and choose. Maybe there's something you're not as interested in and you skip that one. And the next week there's something that you are interested. In. Although I would argue that if you listen to the ones you're not interested in, you may find out that you are interested. Yeah. That's my little tease. Um, John asked us, what is the one app that you wanted to love, but just couldn't fit into your workflow? So um, for me, I'll, I'll pick an app and then I'll pick a category of apps. Um, I have not been able to fit Launch Center Pro into my workflow. And I really, really want to because I know it just got if this, then that support. And I really need to go back. And I know Federico's did a huge, or I don't think it was Federico, but it was on the Mac Stories uh, website where they did this huge comprehensive post on, on Launch Center Pro. And I need to go back and, and sit down and read that and spend some time figuring out exactly how it would, how it would work for me. Um, okay, but, Katie, just, just real quick. Okay. You know, I have, I, I told you last week, I got the automatic. I am loving it. Yeah. And it works with if this, then that. So think about this, if this, then that rule, when you get in your car at your home, launch the podcast app on your iPhone. Boom. 
Hmm. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm like you. Launch Center Pro was on my list too. The, actually, the, the, there were two for me. First was Launch Center Pro, but with the if this then that support, it's like pushed me over the edge. Now it's in my dock, and now I'm starting to spend a bunch of time in it. So I'm not sure that I can anymore say this isn't what I'm not using. Same thing goes for editorial. That's another one that I just didn't have time to really dig in on. But I've been doing a bunch of writing for the next book, and suddenly I'm finding myself using editorial, and all of a sudden that's on my home screen. So there isn't one missing at this point. I'm I'm kind of really enjoying some of the stuff out there. I guess Pythonista is one. I'm I'm getting a little bit better at programming. Maybe that's the next thing I'll have to try and incorporate. Yeah, and and David, I know my next one is just going to cut right to your heart, but I ha- I can't get into mind mapping software. I have tried. I've bought them all, and I just can't. My my brain does not work that way. It's okay, Katie Floyd. That's why we all love you. I'm just you're an, I, you're an outline person. They're so messy. I just don't understand. If you if you came to me and said, "I really like mind maps now," I'm getting rid of my outlining applications. I'd say, "Who are you, and what have you done with my Katie Floyd?" Yeah, I, I try so hard. That would and then be like just, an invasion of the body snatchers or something. Because there's no I, way you're going to get into mind maps. Yeah, I close them down and then I go right back to my Omni Outliner and say, "Okay, this is so much more comfortable. Thank you." So, um, uh, another question from Paul, and, and this is, uh, I'll let you explain this one, David, but can you explain the Mac power users theme music? It's, it's an evolving thing. <laughs> you know, it started out with a garage band loop, which was a pretty good garage band loop. I, I until like that. I started. Yeah. Yeah, me too. But then I started, I started hearing it other places. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, that can't be good. And then JF and I cooked something up once and it was just a little too jazzy and it just didn't really seem right for our show. And then, um, you know, we got this great one from Johnny Niddle, who was a guest of ours. And frankly, I'm ready for a change. I'm not totally married to any of our music i I want something new and interesting but i don't know what it is do you think we could get jonathan mann to write us something because i really like the atp theme song i just i don't know how you Uh, spell my name i'm not gonna yeah yeah, i don't know just saying i don't know but i'm ready for something different that's all i'll say i don't know what it is but i think we need to to switch it up maybe that's a goal for the next year is to just to have something some new music okay um, and then uh, last question, Barry asked is, who is a guest you would want on your show but haven't had yet? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> we've, we've had people that we've had like intermittent contact with and and I don't want to say all of them because some of them still may show up and I don't want to say they'll never show up. I'll tell you one that I, I kind of like that um, is, is Lawrence Lessig. He does such an amazing job with his presentations. If you've ever seen him speak. I think he would be a good guest for kind of a presentation type show. How about you? Hmm. I don't know. Um, I, I, I hesitate to say people that we've talked to and, and who have said that they might come on yet. Cause I, I don't want to call them, call them out. There are a lot of people that we've, we've talked about that, that I think we are in progress of trying to work on to come onto the show. Um, there are a lot of people doing, interesting things. I would love to get somebody from Apple on our show, but I don't think that's ever going to happen. I've always thought kind of, it'd be fun to have Waz on, but yeah, I'm not uh, sure he even we, uses yeah, a Mac. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I actually reached out to, uh, I reached out to Waz at one point and I don't think I got a response, but uh, you know, Waz, Waz can be a little out there sometimes. 
Yeah. And I'm not even sure how much of workflow stuff he has at this point. So, well, I, I get know. on my Segway and then I get, no. <laughs> well, I so, um, what's going to happen with, with MPU? Is this it? Are we done after 200? Am I, do I have to come well, back? Do I have to, do I have to do the outline for that Mac at work PC at home show? Or no, I said that the, backwards. There's, <laughs> yeah. That, well, we have a uh, no end in sight. We, uh, I, I really love doing the show. You know, b- before we get to that part, though, the hippie part, the, um, there were some funny questions on Twitter too. I thought. Oh no. Um, let's see. Here. I didn't. I didn't see the Twitter uh, questions. Uh, John F. Braun, you know, from Mac Geek App, boxers or briefs? No comment. My, all my underwear is made by Scotty Vest. <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. Um, and a lot of stuff on Twitter is stuff we're going to put in a feedback show because it's really not that. Yeah, it's not. It's not show 200 related. Yeah. Moving on, we're not going anywhere. I still enjoy it more than ever. I love it. Loved in this show. Yeah, it's um, it's it's been a great outlet uh, to do Mac Power users because you know people in my my everyday life don't really want to hear me talk about this, but yeah. there are a lot of people and out I, there who do. I you know the yeah you know, I said that we have you know recording schedules on weekends and 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 weeknights and I think there's trade offs to that. A lot of time the weeknight show is harder because I I'm an early riser and by the evening I'm tired because I've been going all day and I say things like flash in the pants, which seems to make a lot of people really happy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was great. But you know, on the, on same, the flip side, a, a weekday show is, is really difficult for me because it, you know, that's, that's pretty much my entire Saturday. Yeah. Cause it, yeah, it's right in the middle of my day. But, but, but what I was going to say about the weeknight shows is I love driving home knowing that I'm going to be doing one of these shows. It just makes me so happy after spending a day, you know, kind of in the salt mines and knowing that I get to kind of go to my happy place with Katie Floyd and talk about this stuff and interact with people. I, I just really, really love making the show. I, I didn't know, as I said at the beginning, I was kind of resistant to making a show and I thought it was probably irrelevant or repetitive of other stuff out there, but now it's just become such a part of me that I I couldn't imagine not doing it. Yeah. And, and frankly, I've had a lot of benefits. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I think we both have. I mean, Mac Power users um, has has opened up a lot of doors. It's opened up a lot of a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, being able to do the show and and opening opening up the audience um, to us has brought us a lot of opportunities. I know you have expanded into the Mac Sparky Field Guides. Um, I've been given other opportunities. I've you know I've 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 written for Mac World now. I've said that was always a, a great dream of mine and speaking opportunities. And um, I've been able to do other stuff both on a personal and a professional level that I. I never would have been able to do um, had it not been for the success of, of Mac power users. Um, and, and it gives me a lot of comfort and a lot of security to know that this is here. And, and that's been wonderful. And it's just a lot of fun to hang out with you, David. Yeah. And, you know, so many friends. Uh, I mean, when I started this show and basically before I started the whole Mac Sparky thing, I felt in a lot of ways anonymous in my life. And I had, you know, some friends close by, but I really didn't have 
I missed the days of having my geek friends. And, and this has been, you know, Max Barkey and the Mac power users have brought that to me a thousandfold. I mean, so many friends all over the world. I, it's just amazing to me. I can go almost any place in the world and I can, with a few tweets, I can meet up with someone who listens to the show or get a restaurant recommendation or whatever. And I've learned so much from the show. I mean, we spend all that time prepping a show while we learn a bunch doing it. And then we get feedback from listeners and we learn even more. And, um, it's just, I find a lot of joy from doing all this. I'm some of the proudest work of my life is the stuff we've done behind the mic, um, on this show. It's just amazing. And, you know, and frankly, the fact that we do have sponsors and it helps support my family. I mean, how great is that? You know, I'm, um, I can help support my family by talking about the stuff that I'm so passionate about. I I'm in some days, I just think I'm the luckiest guy in the world. And, uh, and it really is amazing that we, we got to show 200, but, you know what? We're going to get the show 400. I promise. Sure. I'm going to hold you to that because I made you promise at least a year. So now I'm going to make you promise at least 400 shows. All right. I'm going to do, I'm going to shoot episode 400. I'm not going to wear any pants. Oh I'm no. I'm going to put it out there. See, now look what you've done. Okay. Well, it's not going to be video <laughs> then. All right. That's, that's <laughs> it hasn't been sure. video yet. Um, so <laughs> uh, throughout the life of this show, um, uh, Apple has changed and the world has changed around us and we've seemed to kind of grow with it. Um, what do you think is going to happen in the future as, as the show evolves? As the show evolves or as, as Apple evolves? Well, the show or really both. evolves um, with Apple. Oh boy. I kind of put um, you on the you spot. Know, I, didn't I, I think you have, you have put me on the spot. Thanks. Uh, you just had this little bullet point in the outline that said future of Apple. And I thought, okay, what does that mean? Um, you know, I, Apple has taken a very big step towards evolution, I think, this year at, at WWDC. And I don't think I have ever been as quite excited uh, about where Apple is going as as I have been, you know, now. Uh, we're, we're really starting to see things opening up at Apple. We're starting to see extension, you know, just with extensions and with um, – I, I was really afraid and, and there was a, a lot of concern, you know, a couple of years ago about, you know, the, the Mac OS turning into iOS. And, and I think that concern has been alleviated because for someone who does a show called Mac Power Users – um, you know, okay, boy, are we not going to be able to talk about the Mac that much anymore? Because eventually there's going to be no Mac. It's just all going to be iOS. Um, that's no longer a concern that I have. Um, you know, I was watching WWDC and just kind of smiling, thinking, my gosh, we're, we're going to have content for years because all of our favorite app developers are going to come out um, with, with even better apps. And, and there are going to be so many new dimensions of apps and things that weren't even possible before. So many new workflows that people are going to be able to create now um, that we never thought that they would be able to create before. Uh, so, yeah, we're, we're not going to have any problem, I don't think, getting getting to show 400. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That's not a concern of mine anymore. I mean, I felt like so, I'm in the last... Yeah, I, I totally agree. I felt like in the last year, we've really been struggling in some ways to find ways to get efficient workflows with the iOS because of the sandboxing. And all of a sudden, the whole world has opened up. This is going to get really exciting now. Yeah, I agree. So, uh, David, we're we're coming up on our classic hour and a half mark. Um, but before yeah, we go, an, we have that's a lot another of people that we have to say thank you to. Yeah, and that's another funny thing about our shows. We don't actually intend them to be an hour and a half. We I don't look at the clock while we record, happens. and it always happens. I don't know. It's, it must be something going on. There's something at a very high level And I, I know that universe. bothers some people. 
Yeah, I'm I'm sorry, Barry. I know, I know that bothers you that our shows are so long, but you know, it happens. Well, and that's um, an interesting. But I I would like a, to thank. Okay, go ahead. You well, that's an it. interesting bit of feedback. We, we we got complaints sometimes for the show being too short, and then we tried to shorten the show, and people complained saying we weren't covering as much as we used to. And then it's one of those things you learn as a broadcaster is you just tell your story, and that's the story you're going to tell. If it takes a little longer, then so be it. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about thanks. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, David, I, I would like to thank – um, your family. I would like to thank David, uh, Daisy and your girls who I have now had an opportunity to meet because you put so much time and so much effort into Mac Power users and they really share a large part of you, um, you know, their husband and their father with me and with this Mac community. And I know that it's a sacrifice for you and for them to be able to do something to, like this. And I know that there's certainly um, some benefits that you get out of this as well. But uh, but I would just like to say thank you to them. And it was certainly great meeting them at Macworld this past year. On behalf of the Sparks family, you're welcome. <laughs> They're probably tired of me. You know, it's like, it's like they'll say, dad, stop talking about drafts and just go get on the microphone with Katie Floyd. <laughs> they do call you Katie Floyd there now, by the way. Of course um, they do. Yep. I, I'm with you. I thank you uh, for it. really the reason the show exists is because Katie was insistent that we do this show and, and she, you know, she's the one who really got this thing off the ground. And there's a million things behind the scenes that happen behind the show that Katie Floyd makes, make sure happen all the time. I can't, I can't believe I went and listened to an old show and I can't believe what a great podcaster Katie Floyd has become over the years. I mean, you really, you really have turned into something special. So, I mean, I can't just like my wife, I, I got married when I was 25. I mean, the person you are when you're 25 is not the person you are when you're 35 or now 45 or, you know, you, you change so much over the years. I feel like I got so lucky with my wife because we both changed so much, but we still, we still get it with each other. You know, we still get along and we still love each other. I feel that way with Katie too. I mean, we didn't really know each other it could have been a terrible partnership and it turned out to be a great one. So I'm very fortunate. Well, thank you, David. I, I feel very fortunate to be able to do this, the show with you and I wouldn't do it with anybody else. And thank we you. also have, we also have to thank all these great people who have listened to our show over the years and not only listen to the show, but take the time to sit down and write an email to us or send us a tweet or send us a link to something interesting. There's a lot of people out there that listen to our show that are on the prowl for us. And when they see something that they think solves a problem we've talked about, they send it right off to us. And, you know, they take time out of their life. And that is just truly a remarkable gift from our listeners. Yeah. Um, thank you to all of you who have sent us feedback throughout the years. Thank you to all of you who have, have written us reviews in iTunes. And if you haven't, you can still do that up to once a year. We can appreciate that. You can send us a review in iTunes. Um, thanks to the folks who have joined our Google Plus community. Um, that's now well over a thousand people strong and is, is continuing to grow. Um, of course, I do have to say a, a very special thanks um, to JT and to Haley who have, have done our show notes uh, because it, it would be very difficult for us to get this show out without you. Um, and a, a special thanks to Mark Miles, at, at uh, who does all of our, our editing, or who has done most of the editing of this show since we moved over to 5x5 Five Five and um, makes it sound a lot better than we, we actually do. And I'd also say thanks to the whole team at 5x5 Five Five that they've created this great network and given us a place to, to park our show. 
And also thanks to all our sponsors over the years, people who've, you know, helped support us and pay the bills and make it something that uh, makes it you know practical for me and Katie to get a show out every week. So much thanks, Katie. We got some great people out there. So we're, yeah. we're definitely going to do 400, right? Yep. 400 sounds good. At least, at least 400. 400 songs. As long pants. as people stick with us. That's, that'll be the episode title, Sans Pants. <laughs> Somebody make a note of that. Somebody will. They'll still be out there. So, yeah. Well, we have will. covered so much in this episode. Um, maybe we better close it out and tell people where they can find all of this content by now if they don't know. Okay. If you uh, want to find the show notes, you can go over to 5 by 5 slash MPU slash 200 for show 200, or you can go over yeah. to MacPowerUsers.com and we're right there. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Katie Floyd. Uh, David is at Max Sparky, or the show is at Mac Power Users. You can also send us feedback to feedback at MacPowerUsers.com. Yeah, and don't forget the Google Plus community. You can That's a whole long, ridiculous Google Plus URL, but the short version is you'll find a link to that at MacPowerUsers.com and, and come join us. There's some great conversations going on over there. And I'll just close it out by saying thank you to everyone. Thank you for David, and uh, happy show 200. Thank you.